Well, good morning, Fremont Community Church. I am, oh, yay. We're awake this morning. I'm so excited to be here. I'm just loving this psalm series, this um, glorious book of poetry that God has placed in the center of his word. I just wanted to remind you that uh, psalms is, is very much like the Hebrew Spotify faves, right? Who, how many of you have a Spotify playlist that has your favorite? favorites on it. So yeah, I know. So Kayla, my, my daughter and I, we often, uh, she'll show, play the music that she likes and we'll review the lyrics together and see what they mean together. So she can kind of tell me what's going on inside of her heart. <laughs> and that's what the Psalms do, right? Psalms are basically an expression of what's happening in the inner life of the poet, the one who's writing it. And it's just such a beautiful way for us to to really have a way to springboard into worshiping God in a really powerful way. You know how music can set the tone, can take you back to a place that you had a really incredible encounter with someone. You know that, that you, you think of your wedding song or that song from when you were a senior in high school or you think about that, that worship song that was playing when you came to faith in Jesus or when you really like gave your life to him in a special way. Music is this very powerful way that we connect with God, and that's really what the psalms are. And something that I think is so lovely to remember is that the psalms are, are, are the songbook of Jesus. These are, these are words that were on his lips when he was here walking in flesh and blood. And, and so I'm really excited today to open up Psalm 19 to you. It is beautiful. C.S. Lewis actually called Psalm 19 the greatest poem in the Psalter. In other words, the book of Psalms, and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. This is a very special psalm that we're going to look at today. So Jesus, we just ask you um, by your spirit to illuminate your word in a very powerful way for every single one of us that's in this room this morning. Whether we are 10 years old, 15 years old, 75 years old, or everywhere in between, or even older than that, God, we just know that you are speaking, and you have something for every single one of us. And so we pray that our hearts would be opened to whatever it is, the gift that you have for us in your word this morning. We come because we want to be transformed by the power of your spirit in this community. And so that's what we are expectant to receive from you. We are on the edge of our seats. We are on the edge of our seats. So God, have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So what would you say, if I was to ask you, what is the key to a really good relationship? What are some really important things? If you, a good relationship. The key to a really good relationship is what? Communication. Communication. Okay, the winner. You're the winner. We're just going to stop there. That's what, I was, that's what I was looking for. People could say a few things like trust. Um, but I, I, I think trust, forgiveness is, I think, one a really important thing about uh, in relationships. So communication is the heart of it all, right? Communication. Being able to share your heart with someone and then being able to understand it and then them being able to do the same with you. That communication with one another, that is the key to any good relationship. And this psalm is all about the reality that God is constantly communicating with you. He's constantly communicating with you. He's always speaking. I think this is so powerful because I know that so many of us have a hard time hearing his voice. We wonder where is he? What is he saying? What does he want me to do? Where does he want me to go? Why is he silent in this pain that I'm in? But the good news is that he is 
always speaking. And the, the invitation here is to tune into his voice. So I'm going to read like I've been doing. I'm just going to go ahead and read through the psalm. And then I'm going to go through and unpack some of these phrases together this morning. So Psalm 19. The heavens tell the glory of God. The skies display his marvelous craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is silent in the skies, yet their message has gone out to all the earth and their words to all the world. The sun lives in the heavens where God placed it. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight to life. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to those who hear them. There is great reward for those who obey them. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep me from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The psalm starts with the first way that God communicates to us, and that is through nature. It starts with this huge, the, the, the heavens, the, the, the vastness, right, of the sky. And then it comes and it ends with one man saying, me the words of my heart, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart honor you, just like the stars. So it starts with this vast macro understanding of the way God speaks, and it goes now to the one heart of an individual. How beautiful, how beautiful. God is always speaking, and you are invited. I believe the psalm is an invitation for you to tune in to the voice of God. Theologians call these two ways that God speaks the natural revelation and the special revelation. The natural revelation that we see in creation and the special revelation of the Bible, the scriptures, the words of God here. And so I'm just basically going to kind of unpack some of these phrases today. These first couple, um, what, I just want you to think about what is one of the most beautiful things you've ever witnessed in nature. Just think about that for a second. Something incredible that you've seen. And what was your response? What's your response to that beauty? Doug and I went up to Canada for our 25th anniversary, some of you are aware, and the beauty took my breath away again and again. I found myself with this delight. I was tearing up, I was giggling, I was twirling around, I was lifting my hands up. Maybe it was just because we had no kids for 10 days. <laughs> but <laughs> but it, it, it was also the beauty of nature. I don't know if you, some of you, there's this video that went viral on YouTube of a man seeing a double rainbow, and his voice is hysterical. He's just, all the expressions in his voice of just the wonder of it all. It's, it's just this, it's like this automatic worship of the beauty. It's like your body response. Have you ever seen a child at the beach when they run out and their hands are just in the air? There is a, there's a visceral response to nature. Just this week, um, NASA, uh, did you see these pictures that NASA released this week? 
These photos taken by the James Webb Space Telescope delivering the deepest and sharpest infrared image of the distant universe that we've ever seen. This galaxy <laughs> cluster, it's teeming with thousands of galaxies, including the faintest objects ever observed in the infrared. The words, the heavens declare, the skies display, these are verbs that are saying the, the sky, that nature is constantly talking all the time. It doesn't just say something and, and stop. It's constantly communicating, constantly speaking to you all of the time. We're in here, right here together listening, but outside, the heavens are declaring the glory of God. You just go outside and, and speaking, and speaking. And this idea is that day to day there's this continuum, this overflowing, this abundance. It's never ending. It's constant. Uh, theologian Boyce suggests that the language here is stronger in the Hebrew text. Of course, we, this is poetry in Hebrew, right? It's not, and it's translated into English. So we lose a lot of the beauty of the poetry. But what Boyce is, is suggesting is that it's stronger in the Hebrew text than it appears in English. For the image is literally of a gushing spring that copiously pours forth sweet, refreshing waters of revelation. That is what is happening all the time. That God is pouring forth his revelation to you in the natural world. He is always speaking. This reminds me of how Jesus says, if you want living water, come to me. This gushing artesian springs of life that come from him. But we start by noticing it in nature. How beautiful that God has given us this invitation to hear his voice. This is what he does for us every day. And this is the poetry here. They speak without words. They speak without words. This is the poet, right? It sounds like an oxymoron, but it's saying that they're communicating something so powerful that it doesn't even need words. Their word, their message goes out. It's a nonverbal communication. You studied communication and how most of our communication is nonverbal. I think 93% of it is nonverbal. 7% of our communication is what our actual words is, and the rest is the way, our tone of voice, the look on our face. Nature is the look on God's face. Right? I love um, what Tim Keller says. I, I uh, listened to a Tim Keller message for my preparation today. He's an amazing preacher. And this is what he said. Nature affects you like great art. Nature can move you to tears or lift you until you soar like a great piece of music, a great story, great theater, great visual art. Why does it move us like art? Because it is art. Nature is handiwork. Nature proclaims the work of his hands. Everything in nature is singing to you, Keller says. It's singing. We are not an accident. We are the product of artistic vision. We are the product of design, of passion, of imagination, of an artist beyond any artist you've ever seen or known. The stars, the seas, the cannons, the mountains are singing to you, speaking to you. Even if your life is a mess, even if you don't believe, you can't help it. You go outside and it's speaking to you and saying this again, we are not an accident. We were made for a purpose. We, the, the mountains are made for a purpose and so are you, so are you. You are a work of art. This is what this means. There is light and high beauty forever. Life is therefore meaningful. People are important and there is good behind all of it, Keller says. Isn't that beautiful? To go out every morning and say, okay, nature is singing to me about the goodness and glory of God. Annie Dillard, a 
an American writer, says that nature is an item on the resume of God. He points to nature as an item on his resume when he's talking to Job. When Job is struggling with the horror that his life has become, the pain of his life, God points to nature. Another image from this week that I just couldn't resist. These, these pictures are powerful. Ann Voskamp says this, Out of the auroral dust, God births newborn stars. And out of the spheral dust, God made us. Blazing stars and our beating hearts are both made of the same dust, both the art of God. And then he talks about the sun. You know, you see in Psalm 8, uh, the moon and stars that he set in place declaring his glory. And here in Psalm 19, we see the sun, the sun. I love the sun. But, but first, let's look at these two, these two images of the bridegroom after his wedding and the athlete. Okay, so some translations believe this is a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. In other words, this is a man who's just been intimate for the first time. This is a happy man. Okay? I'm saying that. This is the imagery here. Or it's how he feels on his wedding day, about to go receive his bride for the first time. Or it's like an athlete that's been preparing and training and ready to go run that race. The, the sun comes, comes up every day with this expectant joy, this expectant pleasure and joy and beauty and strength. That's what's happening every day when the sun comes up. That's the imagery here. How powerful is that? Now, I'm a morning person, shameless morning person. Anyone else morning person? Anyone else? Anyone? There's some. Some of you, like, are so annoyed by people like me. I wake up happy. Now, don't catch me at 7.30 p.m. Because, uh, I don't know if I can do my life at 7.30 p.m. In the morning, I'm like, everything's possible. So I love this because this is how I feel when the morning starts. And I know that's not true for everyone. But I think the psalmist is saying this beautiful reality that the sun invites us into this new day every day. Um, I, I sometimes read this prayer um, in the morning. I love to get up and, and pair the two things that we hear about in this psalm, nature and the word of God. I love to go in my backyard. Doug has created a really beautiful um, backyard with, with flowers, all different colors, and sitting there with my coffee and my Bible and seeing the birds. Um, and I, it's a special connection with God. And I often start with this prayer. O light of God, anointed by your morning light, I lift my spirit to receive the gift of this new day. Open my eyes to the beauty that surrounds me, that I may walk through this day with the kind of awareness that calls forth grateful living. In all of creation, let me see the brightness of your face. Shine in my heart and on my life, filling me with joy, creativity, hope, and laughter. Draw me into the radiant glory of your presence and into the small lights of those with whom I live and work. Inspire me to take time for those who are discouraged. May I live with the kind of presence that enables others to feel at home. Great dawn of God, hear my prayer. The morning is an invitation into the presence of God. The author, the author of this lovely book also talks about um, every morning being a mini-resurrection. Every morning, it's, it's a mini-resurrection. It's a chance for, for God to give new life to what needs to be resurrected in me as I wake up this morning. 
What needs to be resurrected in you? you, Is there a resurrection of joy? A resurrection of hope? Of peace? Of forgiveness? What needs to be reawakened in you as you wake up? God wants to give that to you just the way he always brings the sun again and again and again. I love Annie Dillard on this as well. She says, it's all a matter of keeping my eyes open. Beauty and grace are performed whether or not we will sense them. The least we can do is try to be there so that creation need not play to an empty house. The natural revelation of God, this beauty about how he communicates who he is, um, that's this first part of the psalm. And then we move into a very specific, because as much as we can see about God through nature, it's very general and often random, and there's confusing things in nature. And we can't tell specific things about, there's a lot of specific things that we can't see in nature. And so God gives us his specific special revelation of his word to make our path clear. And that's the second part that we're going to dive into. The Enduring Word Commentary explains, it's as if David said, creation tells us much about God, but his his word tells us much more. Creation tells us much about God, but his word tells us much more. If you are not regularly spending time in the Bible, you are missing out on knowing God as deeply as he wants to be known by you. And that's not something, I'm not trying to shame you. I'm trying to entice you with the beauty and wonder of what God has for you if you open up his word with an open heart and an open spirit. There is a feast of life-giving truth right here. I was watching this week in preparation for today, I was watching some of the um, tribes that have just recently in Indonesia received the Bible in their language for the first time. And the whole village creates this amazing celebration and welcome. And they are weeping as they receive the Bible in their language for the first time. And I look around my house and there's 15 Bibles. And I look around so many people that I know that have been raised and so oversaturated with the church and with the Bible that they don't pick it up. And here's people who are so excited to have the word of God in their, in their language that they are weeping and praising. And it's a huge party citywide. This is what we have at our fingertips. Psalm 19, 1 through 6, God is referred to as El, which is a very general term for God, the most generic one. It's even more generic than Elohim. But the Hebrew word um, that God is referred to in the second part, in verses 7 through 9, it's Yahweh, which is the covenant name of God, the God of covenant love and kindness. It's the intimate name for God. Yahweh actually wasn't spoken. The Lord... Yahweh, his name was so precious that they could not even say it on their lips. And many um, scholars have suggested that the sound Yahweh is the sound of your breathing. So that every time you breathe, the name of the covenant God is in your being and on your lips. That is the God who reveals himself in scripture. Very specific, very intimate. This next passage is, is um, such a beautiful, such a beautiful passage to put to your memory. 
we could take time to say, what's the difference between the instructions or the law or the decrees or the precepts or the command? They're all synonyms of the words of God. And they're all designed to give us life. This is a beautiful passage to meditate on. And one of my favorite explanations of what meditation is was um, said by Debbie Alsdorf. She explained meditation like meat marinating. So if you put chicken and marinating at the beginning of the day, what does it look like at the end of the day? It's totally changed. The smell, the texture, the color. It's changed. It's been changed by, the, by what it has soaked in. And that's the idea of meditating in scripture, that we soak in it and, and then it becomes, we become like what we soak in. And that's, that's the invitation. So this is something, this phrase is something you'll see in my journal throughout the years. Just again, because I'm pressing into this idea that everything that I need is here. And, and, and when the spirit illuminates it, and as it points me to Jesus, and we'll get into that, because people can worship the Bible. The Bible is the pathway to know God. The Bible is not an end in and of itself. It is the pathway to knowing God. So what I want to talk about here um, is just one phrase. Um, okay, the bottom line is that all of this, okay, who wants their soul revived? Who wants wisdom? Who wants joy? Who wants insight for living? <laughs> Sign me up. All of this is right here. All of this goodness. It, it, it's, it's here. Reviving the soul. This is so beautiful. Um, there, there's this banquet. This banquet of delicious goodness for you in the word of God. If you will only crack it open and ask God to show you what it means. And do it in the context, context of community. I mean, I think the enemy of our souls, one of his biggest lies right now in the Western world where we have just the Bibles on abundance, is that this book is boring, that it's irrelevant, that it's impossible to understand, that it really doesn't have any connection to my everyday living and breathing life, when actually it's the opposite. It is the opposite. This will bring you life in ways you can't even imagine. I love um, just to, to remind you that... Um, that every story whispers his name, as Sally Lloyd-Jones says it, of the Jesus Storybook Bible. Every story in scripture whispers the name of Jesus. Everything is pointing to him. And he himself, Jesus said, of religious folks who knew scripture by heart but were rejecting him, Jesus said, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. So every time that we open the Bible, we are looking to understand Jesus, to be in relationship with Jesus, to fall in love with Jesus more intimately. This one phrase that says um, it revives the soul, I just want to point that out really briefly. Um, Tim Keller suggests, uh, he, he, he teaches us that the Hebrew word soul, um, it, it really means psyche or your, your truest self, what makes you you. And, and Keller puts it this way. He says, the Bible has the power to show and restore your true identity. To show and restore your true identity. Do you want to know who you really are and what you're really made for? Then go to your maker who explains a lot of who he is here in his word. If you want to know how something works, if you want to know how an iPhone, like when Steve Jobs was around, if you want to know how an iPhone works, who would you go to? Who's going to be the master at explaining to you how something works? The one who created it. The one who made it. 
and yet we think we're fine without any wisdom from him. We're good. We got this. He's like, I have so much more for you, and I want to show. And as, we, as you know, you can read the same thing in the scripture 50 bazillion times, and God illuminates it in a new way in a different season of your life. It's rich. It's rich here. And I tell you, if you don't know Jesus, just open up the book of Mark and let him and say, God, I want to know you. If you're real, make yourself real to me. And just wait and see what God will do. Just wait and see what God will do. Okay, so the, the next part is about this image of, of honey. Honey is this highly valued and special substance, and it's full of symbol and meaning in Hebrew, right? We're like, oh, honey, it's that little thing in the, the bare, in the bare plastic thing. But if you don't use it in, in time, it gets gross, and you have to microwave it. Anyone else? Anyone? Anyone? Yeah. Um, it, it's so, like... Hebrew, the Hebrew understanding of honey was, was so much more than simply what bees make. It, it also symbolized any kind of sweet, the sweetness of any kind of fruit, the sweetness of every fruit. Also, in Exodus, the manna, remember the manna that came every day from heaven to feed the Israelites for 40 years of, the, in, of wandering in the wilderness? It was described as honey-flavored wafers. So there's a, an allusion here even to the exodus and God's provision. So this honey is basically the most delicious pleasure you could experience in your mouth, right? It's this beauty. And then gold. Gold is the, is the most valuable treasure. So there's these two images that are given, and the, and, and, and the psalmist is saying, that's what, that's what your law is. People are like, the law? Like, don't tell me what to, especially Americans, don't tell me what to do. Freedom! Freedom is actually free when you are within structure. There is a, a worship of a false god of freedom, meaning I can do whatever I want to do whenever I feel like doing it, that's actually destroying who we are and the people in our lives. I'm free. Actually, you are free to follow Jesus. You are free when you live within boundaries. That is freedom. And I, I think about like, a healthy eating plan. That's such a, it's just such a, a good example of this. When you have a plan for what you're going to eat, how does that, and, and you're like, really feel good about it? How does that feel? Does that feel, when you're like, this is good, this is life-giving food, I am doing what's good for my body, I'm honoring my temple, it's making me feel energized, and I'm sleeping better, and I'm doing, and I have a plan. Does that bring freedom, or does that bring bondage? That brings freedom. But what we tell ourselves is that rules and law and guidelines actually takes away our freedom. That is a lie. It actually brings us into the most beautiful freedom because we are living the way God designed us to live. And when we live in the freedom of how God designed us to live, there is no greater joy. There is no greater peace. There is no greater freedom than lying your head on your pillow at the end of the day saying, today I have walked with God and I have brought his kingdom of heaven to earth in any way that I know how. And God, show me anything in me that is disconnected from you and lead me in a way that is right. We are invited into the freedom of the law of God, and it is the best kind of freedom you will ever experience as a human being. And I've, I've lived in both kinds of freedom. I've lived in the freedom to do whatever I want to do whenever I feel like doing it, 
And I've lived in a freedom of surrendering my will and submitting my will to the will of God. And I am telling you, it is not even close the beauty and the wonder and the joy that I experience in my life when I choose the way of God. He is the one who knows what's best for me. He knows what's best for me. And I want to I wanna obey. I want to obey him. Opening the scriptures warns us, keeps us from a pathway that leads us to destruction. And what a great reward. What a great reward. When God leads us, there's nothing better. There's nothing better. Soaking in the word of God can help us see the ways in which we're resisting the love of God and his invitation to this path of life. And the psalmist is begging God to enlighten him here. He wants to be enlightened. Show me, God. Show me anything I'm doing deliberately, knowingly, going against what I know you have for me. Show me and then lead me in the way. This is not just an idea. Like, so I was thinking, like, how do I unpack this so this becomes something that's not just like this really great idea that, oh, that's nice for you, Christy. That's good for you. And I thought, okay, I'll just give an example of the way that God is using his word in my life this week. And it's, it's just in Jeremiah 2. I've been meditating in Jeremiah 2 this morning, this week, in my times alone with Jesus. And in Jeremiah 2, he's talking about how the Israelites have, um, even after God has done all of this beautiful, God has done everything for them. He's blessed them. And yet they decided to cut down trees and make idols and worship those idols with some of the, what they cut down, Isaiah 44. Some of what you cut down, you, make, uh, you use in a fire to warm yourself and cook your food. And the other half you use to make an idol and you worship it. And Jeremiah 2 talks about how, um, so I've been, ta- I've been asking God to reveal the things in my life because I don't cut down trees and make idols. But I know there's idol- idolatry in my heart. There's things that I go to to comfort me and give me life and pleasure and joy. They're outside of the joy of God. And he's been, God has been doing a work where he's trying to unpeel all of the things because he is a jealous God and he wants your whole heart. And he's gracious God. He will take what you give him. But he wants your whole heart. And so in my own time with God, Jeremiah 2 has been doing just what Psalm 19 says it's going to do. Jeremiah 2 says, see if anyone has ever heard such a crazy thing as this. Has any nation ever exchanged its gods for another god, even though the gods are nothing? Yet my people are doing this. They've exchanged glorious God for worthless idols. The heavens are shocked at such a thing and shrink back in horror and dismay. And God says this, my people have done two evil things. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and they've dug for themselves cracked cisterns. And I have been sitting with Jesus and I've been asking him, how have I built other ways? I want living water. I want life-giving water. I want the pure goodness of God flowing to my life. But yet, it went in those moments of weakness, there's some other things that I go to for comfort to make me feel better. And God is wanting to dismantle those things. He's saying, don't forsake me. Don't look to these other things. Don't, don't go to, to water that actually will just literally dissipate before you. Come to me, the living water that always has more for you. And God is using this in my life to then tear down some of the stuff that is keeping me 
from giving my whole heart to him. That's one example I could talk to you about Isaiah 58 that I read in Half Moon Bay and God said, you need to go back into foster care. Isaiah 58 says, spend yourself on behalf of the poor. Fight for justice for the oppressed. Give a voice to the voiceless, Proverbs 31. Speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. These are invitations from God that have shaped the pathway of the way I spend my life fighting for kids in foster care. That's not just my idea. Oh, she's such a great person. She cares about kids in foster care. I care about kids in foster care because the voice of God through his word illuminated me to what he cares about, and I want to bring his kingdom. And so I say yes, and that's your invitation. What is he saying to you? What is he saying to you through his word? Here's what's even more powerful. When this was written, this was before Jesus had come. And so random people didn't have the Holy Spirit living in them like we do. (laughs) When you come into relationship with Jesus, Ephesians tells us that you get the seal of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells you. And then the Holy Spirit, Jesus tells us in John, he leads us into all truth. He illuminates. He helps us to, to take a walk outside in nature. And we can walk with the Holy Spirit in our inner being. And we can see what God is wanting to communicate with us. We can open the Bible, and because the Holy Spirit of God lives in us, we can understand it in a way that is incredible. We are so blessed to be a part of the spiritual history of life with God today. What a gift that we have the Holy Spirit with us. We have Jesus living inside of us, the hope of Christ in you, the hope of glory. His glorious riches are inside of you, and so he can point you into all truth and illuminate what matters most. So, so what? What is my invitation? If I'm just up here testifying to you to what this means to me, it's, that could be helpful. But what I want to invite you to do is to tune into the natural and the special revelation of God this week in your life in just a new way or a renewed way. So I'm going to invite you in response to today to go take a walk. I think, I, I think this is my invitation a couple months ago as well. To go take a walk and look up and ask God to speak to you through nature. Go to an ocean. Go look at a mountain. Go to Yosemite. <laughs> go somewhere glorious. Go to Little Yosemite here in Niles. And Allow your, yourself, your body, your mind, your spirit to respond to the communication of God through the natural world. And then I challenge you, if you have not been spending time soaking in this beautiful word of God, I encourage you this week just to spend a little time, just to spend a little time, and I think Mark is a really great place to start, or maybe the Psalms, just a few verses. God, I want to know you. I want to understand you. I want my life to to follow the path that you have. I want, uh, you made me, so tell me what to do and tell me where to go and sit with him in his word. And if you don't know what that looks like, get into community. Like this, it's not just supposed to be me and Jesus. This is supposed to be a community of folks together opening his word and talking with with one another and exploring this path of life that he leads us into. So I'm gonna invite the band to come on back up right now And I just do want to take a moment um, today 
just to speak to anyone in this room who has never welcomed Jesus to be a part of who you are and said yes to him. If you are hungry to know God, to hear him speaking, not just through nature, but through his word and through his Holy Spirit in you, he is eager, he is eager to come and meet with you. Jesus took care of everything. He came, he became flesh and blood, he left the glory of heaven, became flesh and blood, he became killable to give everything for you, to take care of everything on the cross to take care of all of your guilt, all of your shame, everything done to you, everything you've done. Jesus took it all on himself. He took it all on himself. And he died, and then he said, it is finished. But the grave could not hold him. Three days later, he burst out because he can give you new life. And so I would just invite any of you who have not said yes to Jesus to just say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for dying on the cross to show the full extent of your love. I receive your forgiveness to every part of my being, and I invite you, I invite you into my heart and my life, and I surrender myself to you. Have your way in me. I want to know you, Jesus. I want to know you, Jesus. I want to hear you, and I want to follow you. Jesus, I, I just pray for anyone who is ready to step in to relationship with you today, that you would just confirm their decision, that you would give them a sense of your presence. Thank you that your Holy Spirit comes and makes home with us. I pray for my brothers and sisters who've walked with you a really long time and have lost the passion of, of meeting with you and hearing from you. God, would you speak to them this week? Would you just surprise them with incredible sense of your presence when they spend time in your word or in nature? I pray for those in this room who've grown up and known about you forever, but it's never become their own. Just pray against the enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. We pray that the truth would reign, that we would be hungry, that we would thirst for you, that we would long for you, and that you would fill us. Pray that you would set us apart, that we would be a holy people, set apart, seeing hearing from you and doing what you're saying, that the world would know, that our communities would be changed, that people would be swept up into your kingdom, Lord. We want all that you have for us, Jesus, and we want to give you all that we are. Thank you for this time together in community, in your word. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen.